Hey, Dylan here with a quick announcement. So over the last 150 years, there have only been 16 total solar eclipses that crossed the continental U.S. But as you may know, another total solar eclipse is on its way. On April 8th, 2024, the cosmic event of not just the year, but the next two decades, this will be the last total solar eclipse for two decades, is happening. And to celebrate, Atlas Obscura is throwing an absolutely gigantic festival. The last time this happened in 2017, we threw a big party with 500 people and astronomers and musicians out in Oregon. Well, this year, we are headed to Hot Springs, Arkansas. We have this beautiful state park that we are taking over for four days in what we are calling the Ecliptic Festival. And there is just an incredible lineup happening, not just a celestial lineup, but also our musical artists are amazing. Mary Lattimore, Blonde Redhead, Deerhoof, and, and so many more. Sun Ra Orchestra. They are all going to be playing. They're going to be astronomers and philosophers, and we are going to be learning about all kinds of incredible cosmic events. Tickets are around 400 bucks for the full four days, so not too crazy. And all of the activities for all ages are just so incredible. I'm going to be there with my family, and I would love for any listeners out there uh, who this sounds exciting to, to come and join to celebrate this cosmic coincidence. If you want to find out more, go to atlasobscura.com slash eclipse and get your tickets today. That is atlasobscura.com slash eclipse. Hopefully, I'll see you there. Okay, with that, onto an appropriately themed episode all about moon trees, their origins, their fate, and an explanation of what the heck a moon tree even is. Up next. Hey, Stu, this is Gino. You read? Yeah, I'm clear. Stuart Rusa is in space. Okay, uh, we, we got one more idea down here. Specifically, Stuart Rusa is floating above the moon. He's in a little wedge-shaped space command module looking through its porthole window. It's February 1971, the Apollo 14 mission. Rusa is photographing sites for future moon landings. He's doing experiments. And he's carrying some unusual and precious cargo. We're thinking that maybe you could put the uh, probe in a drogue. Every astronaut on this mission is allowed to bring one canvas bag filled with personal items. A lot of them brought coins or, or other souvenirs that they could give away, or they brought things, uh, some of them, like, like little photographs that they left on the moon. But inside Rusa's bag, brought all the way from Earth, was a small metal container. Stuart Rusa took, in his personal kit, uh, hundreds of tree seeds. Tree seeds. Seeds from sycamores, Douglas firs, redwoods, sweet gums. And Stuart Rusa had a plan for these seeds. Hey, Bruce, uh, I'll take that flight plan update. Uh, press in. Okay, Stu, here we go. Uh, you may want to just get out the flight plan. And, uh, I'm Amanda McGowan, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we are tracking down what happened to Stuart Roos's seeds. The story of the moon trees. After this. 
If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. It's 1996. 25 years have gone by since Stuart Russa brought those seeds up into space. And in the small town of Canelton, Indiana, a third grade class is doing a project. A project on local trees. One of the girls in the class was at uh, the Girl Scout camp in, in Kendleton, and there was a tree there, and it had a sign on it, and it just said Moon Tree. And so she asked in the class, I guess, you know, well, what about this tree that says Moon Tree? What is this? And so they checked it out, and really the, the camp didn't know much about it, except it had something to do with Apollo. So the class's teacher, Joan Goble, went online, and she started to dig. She stumbled on this webpage run by NASA about the old Apollo missions. And on that website was an email address. That's how she got in touch with the man who you just heard. So I'm Dave Williams. I'm a planetary scientist at Goddard Space Flight Center. Um, I'm the head of the um, uh, NASA Space Science Data Coordinated Archive. Dave's job involves archiving space science data, including data from the Apollo missions. So she found us online and sent an email and said, oh, we have this, you know, this tree at a camp and it says moon tree. And, and do you know what this is? And I had no idea. You know, I never heard of these things. I never heard of moon trees. It's <laughs> like, OK, this is an interesting email. Let me see what I can find out. As part of his job, Dave is pretty immersed in NASA space history and lore, but he'd never heard of moon trees. I got her. We still had a lot of old timers there who were working on the Apollo program, you know, and, and, and stuff. I asked them, oh, what, what? No one knew. No one heard about these moon trees. But Dave wasn't discouraged. Maybe he felt like he owed this third grade class some kind of an answer. So he started digging through old newspaper clippings, through military history websites, and he began to piece together the story. Dave's hunt for information about the moon trees quickly led him in one direction, toward the tree-loving astronaut Stuart Rusa. So on Apollo 14 in 1971, Stuart Rusa was the um, command module pilot. When he went, he took, in his personal kit, hundreds of tree seeds. And the reason he did this was he originally worked for a few years for the Forest Service. Before becoming an astronaut, Rusa had worked as a smoke jumper. 
In other words, he parachuted into remote areas to fight forest fires for the U.S. Forest Service. So when Russo was chosen for the Apollo 14 mission, he and the head of the Forest Service came up with this idea. Russo would bring the tree seeds into space with him in his personal kit, and then they would be brought back down to Earth and planted. I asked Dave if there was a research component here, if NASA was trying to see if the seeds would mutate or anything from their time in orbit. He told me that that wasn't really the goal. It was more just for fun. No one expected any change. I mean, they were they were in space for a week, you know. It wasn't like people changed in space in a week, so they didn't expect the seeds to change. On the other hand, I guess it would have been a little bit um, embarrassing if they didn't at least look at it and then something weird happened. So up the seeds went, into space, with Stuart Rusa. 14 Houston. Like, uh, 34 trips around the moon later, the seeds made it back to Earth. At first, NASA took a portion of the seeds and attempted to grow them at headquarters in Houston. But that did not go so well. They did not have the facilities, and the things outgrew the containers they had, and it outgrew the, the, their ability to, uh, to take care of them, and they died. After that, the rest of the seeds were sent to growing facilities in California and Louisiana, and a few years later, little saplings were ready. By this time, it was 1976, the U.S. Bicentennial. The saplings were distributed all around the country to celebrate. But this distribution happened in a pretty ad hoc way. There's one moon tree that's planted at a school where the governor's son went. It's like the governor said, oh, my son's at this school. I want to I have one of the moon trees there. And it got, <laughs> you know, it got said, that's kind of how it worked. Over time, NASA lost track of these little moon trees. Back to the 1990s. Dave got back in touch with Joan Goebel's third grade class and shared everything that he had learned about the moon trees with them. The class actually decided to raise some money for a new, more informative sign for their moon tree. And they even invited Dave out to speak at the dedication. Dave also decided he was going to make a page about the moon trees on NASA's website. It included the story of the trees and the locations of the six trees that he had been able to track down. At the bottom of the page, I said, if you, if you know of a moon tree, please send me an email. And I had a link, you know, uh, and I started getting emails from people. The page also got some attention from his coworkers at the Goddard Space Flight Center. And I also got, I also got a, a, a phone call one day in my office uh, at Goddard. And it said, why don't you have the Goddard moon tree on your page? (laughs) So you'll see how good of a detective I am. We actually had a moon tree at Goddard (laughs) that I didn't know about. (laughs) The webpage is still up today and it's awesome. You can see a photo of the Candleton tree, the third grade class, the new sign that they made and Stuart Rusa. And the page itself also has that classic internet 90s feel, you know, with the Times New Roman font and tables. It's really great. The website also lists all of the trees that Dave has been able to track down over the last 25 years. There's about 120 moon trees listed. And for each one, the site has information about the tree's location, what type of tree it is, the date it was planted, and whether it's still alive today. 
I wanted to talk to somebody with a moon tree in their backyard. So I looked through Dave's list and I saw that there were a few that were still alive in California where I live, including one in the city of Monterey. From my end, it's actually a stone throw from my front door of my office. So um, it's really cool that you just walk out and there's a moon tree. This is Jordan Lenninger. He's the artifact specialist for the city of Monterey Museums. Monterey's moon tree is outside of a museum called Colton Hall. And in Jordan's view, the tree is a little bit of a hidden gem. I don't think a lot of people know about it. It's very few when someone asks, oh, where's the moon tree? At the Colton Hall Museum, um, which is practically next door, um, we tell people, like, if they're asking, oh, what other historical sites can we go visit? And I always point them out to the the moon tree because it's, you know, 100 feet or more away. Monterey's tree is a redwood those giant California trees that can grow to be hundreds of feet high and live for a thousand years. Their moon tree is still young. Jordan says three adults can link hands around it, which, I mean, to me sounds pretty big, but he says it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, for me, it's it's just fascinating to have that living, you know, piece of history that went into space, came back, and it's now just thriving this most likely will outlast all of our, you know, special collection items. People in buildings tend to crumble and die more than, you know, a tree like this. So, you know, as long as nothing bad happens, this tree will be here, you know, for hundreds of years. What can I say? I find this idea pretty romantic. That hidden among the trees of the U.S. are these moon trees with extraterrestrial stamps on their passports. If you agree, I have great news for you. NASA is actually planning on restarting the Moon Tree program with its Artemis One launch. To find out if you have any Moon Trees near you, you can check out Dave's website. We'll put a link in the episode description. And if you know of any that are not on his list, drop him a line. He'd love to hear from you. Special thanks to Dave Williams and Jordan Lenninger for telling me the story of the moon trees. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Devin DeComo, Chica Okoye, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you would like to learn more, go to atlasobscura.com. There is a link in our episode description. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall, and I'm Amanda McGowan, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. 
of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decoder Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.